it says, I pray that out of his glorious riches. You know, we have an incredibly rich God, don't we? And you may say, oh, well, uh, it's not necessarily physical money. That's true, but it is the incredible things that we need for life. He says, out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him it was able to do immeasurably more than all that we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Let me read verse 20 again. Now to him he was able to do immeasurably what? More than all we ask or imagine according to his power that works in us. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We ask that it will be alive and active in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may take your seats, church. Thank you. More than, more than, more than enough. You know, our God is more than enough for us. That's an incredible thought that we just want to focus on this morning. In 1967, uh, a story, um, a tragic story unfolded of a young married lady who, uh, whose husband was an accountant, just a small-time accountant in a small city, even a little bit smaller than Gladstone, in the heart of America. And uh, being an accountant in a financial firm in that small town, he, he done the wrong thing. He cooked the books. You ever heard of that terminology? For those who don't know what that means, he, just, he, 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 was, um, he took some money and he misappropriated it. Thank you very much, Dale. He misappropriated that money and, uh, through the accounting system of his firm. And he was found out. He was charged with fraud. And he was jailed for three years for doing that. This is back in 1960, around 1967. So it's quite a while ago. Probably a lot of us, uh, a good half of us probably weren't even born in the 60s. Um, but this is, uh, how the, this is the time the story unfolded. Now to this precious young woman, her, to her personally and her family, it was a huge, a huge embarrassment. She lived in a reasonably small town. Everybody knew what had happened. Uh, she had to live there, continue to live in there in this town. And uh, he was put in jail, as I said, for three years. And his wife and family had to continue to live with the stigma of his failings. Um, so three years later, he is released. And he's thinking about coming home. And uh, he's wondering whether his wife would love him. He's wondering whether somewhere in her heart there was a place for him again, whether there was any flicker of that um, fire of love and support and forgiveness for him. And he was wondering all these things. And he thought, you know what I need to do is I need to write a letter to her. And so he started to pen a letter to her. And it's an interesting thing about this letter because, and this whole story became quite famous. And in 1973, uh, this um, story actually became a hit song. And um, those who were born uh, old enough, I was only 10 at the time, but I remember as I went into my teenage years hearing this song, and it was very popular in the Western world anyway. And, um, and so he wrote this letter, and the letter started like this, uh, tie a yellow ribbon round the old oak tree. It's been three long years, do you still 
want me. If I don't see a yellow ribbon around the old oak tree, I'll stay on the bus. Forget about us. You can put the blame on me if I don't see a ribbon around the old oak tree. See, there was a tree in the center of this town. There was an old oak tree. Everybody knew about it. It was there in the main street. And he was getting a bus home, and the bus was going to pass that oak tree. And uh, all he wanted to know if there was any chance of them having a future together. And just one ribbon around the tree would have been enough indication to him to, that he was, uh, that had some, some, some hope, some future. And so uh, could there? Would there be a chance that she would indicate to him that there was a hope for their future? So he sends the letter, he buys the bus ticket and uh, on that day, and of course, he's, he's seeking uh, the best outcome and he gets on the bus. And uh, the reality of this hit song is it's an interesting thing. It's a common part of our human nature that all of us would love to know that we're forgiven when we blow it. Isn't that true? All of us want the opportunity to know that there's some element of support and encouragement for us in the midst of where we know we acknowledge where we've failed and certainly want to know whether there's forgiveness. I suppose today we call that God's incredible unconditional love or grace towards us when He extends at least forgiveness towards us. And we all want to be forgiven uh, sometime in our life. Um, and so we see this young man, he's on the, on the bus. They're about to turn the corner into the main street where the old oak tree is. And he doesn't know whether he's going to be staying on the bus or he's going to be hopping off the bus. He's too nervous to look. He's wondering because it all depends on whether his wife has tied this ribbon around the tree. And so the song goes on. Bus driver, please look for me. I can't bear to see what I might see. I'm really still in prison. In my heart, sorry, my love, she holds the key. A single, single yellow ribbon um, is all I need to set me free. I wrote and told her, please. So it's at that moment, um, will she, won't she? He doesn't know. His future is dependent upon it. He's not quite sure what's about to happen. It's the next few moments are going to determine his whole destiny. And uh, this is how the song ends. Uh, now the whole bus is cheering and I can't, can't believe what I see. A hundred yellow ribbons around the old oak tree. He remembers the song. It's a great song, isn't it? But there's always... It's a wonderful, I think even better than the song is the story behind it. Because, um, folks, it, it really does enforce and reveal and reflect the very heart of the God that we hopefully know and serve this morning. You know, as far as, as, far as this young lady was concerned or this young man was concerned, one ribbon would have been enough for, for a flicker of hope for her, their future together. One would have been enough. Just one. But the reality is, for her, obviously, she wanted to reflect something greater than just maybe a flicker of love. She wanted to reflect that her heart was still for him, that she had forgiven him completely, that she loved him. And so she went over and beyond, and she put a 100 ribbons around the old oak tree. That was more than enough, would you agree? And that's the kind of heart of our Heavenly Father. You know, I love the principle of this simple story. You know, it talks about um, forgiveness. You could use it in many different ways. But the reality is it, it shows us something. Why would she give 100? Because she wanted to go over and beyond. the. Um, take this opportunity to go over and beyond to reflect the reality of her commitment to her future with this man. 
And you know, I, I often think that's exactly what God does for us. He wants to go over and beyond and reflect the incredible mercy, grace, and love and uh, faithfulness and His goodness and what we've been talking about in this little mini-series the last couple of weeks of His incredible goodness to us. Over and he, I want to say this morning, He is the God of the more than. The more than. He's not the God of the less than. Okay? He's not the God of the, I want to kind of keep you contained in a certain way. I don't want to see you break out. God's never like that. He's always the God that wants to see you break out of old moles, break out of old attitudes, break out of old things that you, that you think, well, I'm just comfortable in this way. And we do get comfortable, don't we? God is the more than. God's got more this morning than you could ever imagine. Let me, let me, just this verse, what did it say? The verse literally said that uh, he, he was able, now him, he was able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or what? Think or imagine. That's the kind of God, more than. In other words, what you, you know, what you pray, what you commit in prayer to Him, He can even do more than that. He's, a, he's always looking for the opportunity. God doesn't kind of sit in heaven and, or, or, or the Holy Spirit doesn't sit here this morning and look what He can take from you or what He can, you know, um, limit you to. He wants, He's a limitless God. He wants to see how much more He can give into your life, more health and healing. And you might say, well, how come it doesn't happen? I ask for more. You know, I often think that that's something between you and God that He wants to work out in your life. And sometimes we don't have is because we don't ask. Uh, but there's more than. That's the kind of God we serve. If when you think about it, if God is the creator of the heavens and the earth, and in Genesis when He breathed into Adam and Eve, He gave them breath. You know, the reality is He's continued to give you breath. He's the God of the heavens. In other words, I often thought about the reality that I've got more than enough oxygen this morning to breathe. And if you didn't have it, you'd soon know, wouldn't you? At this level, at this altitude, we have more than enough oxygen. If He's the God of the heavens and the earth, He's provided it. That's the kind of God we have, more than enough. You know, I've never flown into a country, and as I enter through customs, it's got a sign. This country has less oxygen, so breathe less. It never says that. Never says it. So the reality is that our God is a provider, such a good provider. Some of us think, well, that's a given, isn't it? But, you know, when you think about it, the God is our creator. He provides more than enough. I can even walk outside this building and I'll still have oxygen to breathe. I think that's brilliant. More than, that's the kind of God we serve. There's another verse in the Bible, and it goes like this in Psalm 40, verse 5. And it says, Many are Lord." My God, O oh Lord, my God, are your wonderful works which you have done. Can we switch over? The thoughts towards us, and I'll let you tune that up, cannot be counted. If I would declare and, if I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be, what? Numbered. More than... God's wonderful works and his thoughts about us are more than we can count. What a God we serve. No one ever has promised me that, but my God does. His thoughts about us. God does not, once again, he doesn't think negative negativity about you. He thinks good about you. He looks for opportunity 
to be a blessing. You know, this morning as you gave, he'll say, oh, there's an opportunity for me to be a blessing into their life. I see their heart. They want to give. Oh, man, my word says, given it shall be given unto you. There's, there's, a, there's a possibility of what I can do this morning because of their attitude towards giving. I love that. You know, this morning, York, the Bible says, in another verse, it says, in, in Isaiah, actually, it talks about how God formed you in the womb. Think about that. He formed you. So he was there at your conception. Would you agree? If we agree, thank you, Sue, just one of us. The, the reality is, he can, if you were conceived, God was there in the process of a, you know, bringing that conception to pass. Because it says in Scripture, he formed you in your mother's womb. And you know, the reality that with all sincerity I say this, um, is the truth, is there was a lot of sperm heading towards one egg, and you're the one who made it. That's good news. And I asked the question, because the, the facts are, it only takes one of those little tadpoles to hit one egg, and bang, we have the conception of life. How come, there was a need, how come there's thousands that are available? I think we serve the God of more than enough. <laughs> Without being, trying to be rude, really, it, it's the reality. God says, I'm going to stack, stack the deck so there's more than enough opportunities for there to be the conception of life. One egg, one little tadpole, and thousands available. God. And the reality is you're here this morning because of the more than enough God. Because you won the race. In understanding this principle of God's truth in his word, because throughout scripture, it's continually declared that God is more than, more than enough. Uh, in understanding that there's a bit of a paradox involved in it, uh, because often what we think is more than enough is not how God sees more than enough. Um, because sometimes more than enough to us can be something in the material realm. If only I had more of this thing or more of that or more of this and, uh, you know, and God doesn't, and while God has got nothing wrong with you having more of these things in the world, we do know that He does say there's something important that you need to put first before you put the things of this world first. And so God's thought about more than it can be uh, a little different sometimes in the way that we think about it. It's a paradox. A paradox is a statement or a thought that, is, that, that seems absurd or contradictory, and yet it's true. Okay? That's what a paradox basically is. It seems wrong, it doesn't seem right, and yet it's true. And Jesus made many statements that seem absurd and wrong and contradictory, but they're actually very true. One of those statements, he says, give and it will be given unto you. Sometimes you think, but if I give, if I give, I'm going to have less. How can I have more? It seems absurd, but it works. Because that's the way our God is. It can seem a paradox to some people. You mean to give a to give a tithe and then even more offerings to God would mean that I'll end up with even more that God would supply back? Yeah, he says, that's, that's, that's absurd. Doesn't work. And yet I could go here and, and talk to maybe over 100 people and you would say, no, it's not absurd, it's the truth. See, that's a paradox to some people. And this thought uh, here Jesus shares with us, and I'll turn now to another little passage in Mark 12. And um, it says... It's about a story. Jesus was actually sitting in, um, he was sitting in the temple this day and uh, he was observing people giving their, uh, their um, offering into the treasury in the temple. So, you know, um, 
I'm glad, you know, Malcolm and I didn't actually stand here when they walked down the aisle with the offering bags and look how much you put in. You know, Jeff only put $500 today, well, a little bit more. I didn't say that to him. You know, we don't do that. Well, Jesus, in a sense, was doing that. He's he not saying anything. He was just observing what people were putting in. And his heart wasn't, his heart wasn't uh, of course, uh, to, to uh, the reality of wanting people to put more. But he was observing because he wanted to show us something. He says, now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how people put money into the treasury and how many who were rich put in much. How did Jesus know that? Because he was looking at how much they put in. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which made a quadrant. And so he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have, been given, who have given to the treasury. More than. For all those who put, out of their, put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. Here's the truth. Here's a, here's a statement of paradox. The widow has put in more uh, than all those who have given this morning. That doesn't seem right. And the reason it doesn't seem right is, number one, is because she was a widow. Culturally, in that, culturally in that time, widows who had no supporting uh, husbands had no support financially, and so they weren't rich people. And so she wasn't a rich person, and we know that, because uh, she didn't have much to give. But the reality is, there's this a paradox, or it's not true, uh, because uh, she didn't have much to give. Number two, everybody saw what she put in, and the smallest of coin in their currency is a mite, and a mite was around about 40 or so cents in today's currency, uh, give or take a few cents. And so she put two of those in. She put 80 cents. So this morning, if you put more than 80 cents in the offering, you're doing well, because she put 40 cents in, and uh, 80 cents in, and uh, Jesus said something pretty pretty good about it and number three the reason it's paradoxical is because jesus mentioned there were other rich people who put more than she did because he said rich people who put in much so we know that she didn't practically give more than the rich the treasury in the temple please understand was in a very visible area and what would happen is uh, 13 there would be 13 containers in a place somewhere in the temple and people at a certain time in the, throughout the day, would come and give their offerings into those containers. And what was happening was the rich people were using it as an opportunity to build their status because they'd come and have a lot of money and they'd be really prominent and they'd come and show off as they gave their money. Not everybody did that, not every rich person did that, but a lot of rich people obviously did. So we see the reality for the rich people um, is uh, they were giving, uh, and it was, more than a, it was more of a show than it was of anything else. Um, so, um, God gave out of what he, what, you know, the truth is, others gave out of wanting to see, um, uh, see others uh, see what they put in. And uh, that's a, that was the situation. And, and for this woman, of course, it wasn't about what she gave out of what she uh, to let others see it. It was gave out of a heart because she wanted to give, and uh, I, I love the reality of this woman's heart. Uh, it wasn't about others. It was about uh, it was about her heart attitude. And the truth is, is that the sh the shame of even you could think of it if, if other rich people went up with lots of money, she had to go up with two mites, two mites, about eighty cents worth. And she had to overcome the stigma of that, but she was willing to. 
because she thought it was so important. See, God judges our more than, not on what we give, but on what we give compared to what we have, which is all about our heart attitude. Would you agree this morning? It's about giving according to what we have. Notice Jesus says the rich gave out of the abundance, the widow gave out of her poverty, and that's why she gave more. For her, it's an attitude of the heart, not not an abundance of the pocket. Okay, so here's the paradox. Less was more. Less was more because the good attitude of the widow and the reality that she gave out of the little that she had. More was less for the rich people because of the wrong attitude and they gave little compared to what they had. So we see when God talks about it more than, he's not just talking about something material or something that's you know, amazing. He's talking sometimes about the very attitudes of the heart and the realities of the heart. And I want to say this morning, your prayers, you know, your, your words of your prayers are just the medium for the heart to flow to God. See, the length of prayers... It's, not, it's really not that, you know, it's not the biggest issue. You can have long prayers, short prayers. But when the heart is involved, God is more receptive to the heart than even the words you speak. Should we not pray? No way. Pray. Because there's simply a medium for the heart to speak. Sometimes you can, you can even just, um, without words, you can speak to God because of your heart. And God, in, in, in God sees that. But I think it's great to pray. So we, we've got to be aware. So it's not in the abundance of how much you give as much as how much you give compared to what you've got that proves your heart towards giving. It's, it's not so much your wonderful abilities and talents and gifts so, as much as your heart to use what gifts and talents you have to see God um, blessed or to see his church blessed. It's not about the things that you have that prove your worth but the heart to see whatever you have used for God that proves your worth. It's not about you know, your, 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 um, the name on your door of your office. It's not about pastor, for instance. I haven't got a name on my office, but if I did, I suppose that would have to be the name, senior pastor. It's not about that name because my identity and my worth could not be based upon that. See, it's got to be based upon the reality of who I am in God and not what I've got or who, what position I hold. See, your identity and your worth. And you know what Jesus says? That's the place where there's more than. That's the more than place. That's, that's more than I can, I can work with that. I can work with a person who has a heart of, of, of that attitude. And I can see more than possibilities coming to pass than with a person who doesn't, who has all the things in the world and yet can't find it in his heart to give or surrender or to live for the Lord. So I, too, had a little story about those two sisters because I was pretty impressed when they came out of the pool. And I'll just take it another little step further than Malcolm did, Katie and, and, and Bronte Campbell, because they got, they, one of them um, came and talked to the, uh, the media person on national television. And, uh, you know, the obvious was that they hadn't got what they wanted And she said, this is, I think it was the older one. Who's the older one? Is that Katie? Kate's the older one. So she said, well, you know, I've always said that my worth is not wrapped up in whether I get a gold or not. So now I'm going to have to really prove it, don't I? And 
that's what God says, that's more than. You haven't got a gold, but you've got more. If you've got that attitude, you've got more than the gold. See, God wants to take even the two mites that we have, and if we have that heart, he says, that's more than. More than anything else. And that's not a reason for you not to earn hundreds of thousands of dollars. I'm not saying that, because go for it. But the reality is, is you always got to keep a right heart. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Brilliant. But, but you know, when, we have the, when, when, when our heart is surrendered, God says, that's more than anybody else has got. So it, it seems paradoxical in a, in, in a way. I want to just say, who are you willing to put your life in the hands of? Who are you willing to surrender those, your life to? And say, Father, I want to be used in the more than. I want to be more than. And it's all about attitudes and responses um, and all those type of things, more than what we have or, or don't have. When I was 19, I, I was going to, a, uh, to lead and help out with a beach mission camp in Yapoon. And at that camp, I'd been told before I went, there was a whole bunch of leaders going there. It's a, it's a missions to the caravan park. And what would happen is we have all these wonderful Christian programs for kids in the caravan park and for the parents. So it was a week of brilliant outreach and mission. Some of you may be aware of beach missions. I don't, they may still exist. They were run through Scripture Union. And I went along as a leader. But before I went, I was told, don't don't hang out with one of the leaders that go there. And that terrible Christians were telling me, don't hang out with a particular guy. And I asked why, and his name was Sam. Remember Sam? Fuzzik? <laughs> and I was told, Sam's weird. He's, he's one of those Pentecostals. <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he's really happy, and he carries on. And, and, he's, and so I thought, okay, I'm, I've been warned. I got to the camp for the week, and he was the one guy who was the most responsible, most respectful, most enthusiastic, smiled all the time, and had a jump, you know, spring in his step, and you know, um, didn't suck lemons, uh, and didn't look like he sucked lemons. He was just an exciting and loving and friendly guy, and such to the point where we got to know each other. And he said to me, he said, "Look, you were telling me the other day that you've got to go to Rockhampton for a couple months of of college." Um, he says, "If you've got nowhere to stay, come and stay with me." And so I did. This is the guy they told me to stay away from. And it was so, it was so encouraging. He, I, kind of, I think I paid about $20 board for the week and he'd buy the food and, and he'd make me meals. And it was just and brilliant. It's a 19-year-old. He was only like about four or five years older than me. And we lived in his house. It wasn't much of a house, but it was a house. He didn't have, he had, he didn't have a big grand car, but it was a car that was mechanically sound. And, and, and I stayed there for all these months in the first first couple of weeks he'd trot off to these meetings to his church and and I'd kind of try to do my thing in in you know the churches I used to go to and and nothing wrong with the churches I used to go to but there was just something more in Sam's life and it was attracting me more and more and and one week he asked me would you like to come along to the church I'm at I said oh in the first week I said oh this little voice is saying this is the guy they warned you about see He's going to get you now. They're, they're radical. And I kind of said, oh, no, it, it, it's right. It's, it's right, Sam. He said, no problem, no, no pressure. He just kept on feeding me and loving me and looking after me. And uh, the second week, he asked me, he said, oh, I'm going to church again. We've got some special meetings with a guy called Barry Smith from New Zealand. Do you want to come? I said, no, 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 it's okay, Sam. 
a couple of nights, he says, oh, gee, we're having a great time at this conference. These meetings, do you want to come? I said, oh, okay, I'm going to come, I'm going to come. So I went to the, this particular church in Rockhampton and um, God incredibly touched my life. And filled the Holy Spirit and just God done something dramatic in my life. Amazing. And it all, started with a, a, it all started with a young guy, a little bit older than me, that decided, and I want to tell you this morning, I probably wouldn't be standing here if it wasn't for the Sam physics in my life. And you are that to someone else. And all it's going to take is you say, what have I got to give? It's just a little bit that God says, you know, with the right attitude, that's more than enough for me to work in and through your life. It's more than enough. Right attitude. Just write, Father, just use me what I am. I'm not totally talented or gifted. And, and, and yet, Sam was not totally talented or gifted. He just, unknown to him, he was just loving someone who needed some support and help, and that was me. It's crazy, because within the next two months, I became one of those crazy, weird people. <laughs> I had all these tapes. You know, who remembers tapes? cassettes and even though I was a Christian I had a lot of worldly cassettes and so one day I said to Sam Sam I'm I don't really want to listen to these he says not a problem bring him I said where are we going to take him he took him out to the backyard he had this big 20, 44 gallon drum he says throw him in there we're going to burn him and I thought this is crazy but you know what it really fitted I really felt good to leave all that even as a Christian that stuff behind and take on God, more of what God had for me. I want to just say this morning that more than in God's eyes is the more than in your heart. It's what he wants to explore. He wants, to, he wants you to bring out of your life and continue to work in your heart. You know, so we need to hand over stuff to him. We need to give our life to him. I've said this before, but you know, I've got a golf club at home. It was given to, it was bought for me. I think it's worth about 150 bucks. It's a big driving golf club, and I don't mind golf. It's just that I don't have a lot of time to play it. It was bought for me and given to me, and it's about 150 bucks. In my hands, that's all it's worth, but I can be assured if I gave that same golf club to Jason Day, the number one, world, the number one golfer in the world, it's probably worth a lot more than 150 bucks. It could be worth about a, you know, maybe a million bucks. It just depends whose hands it's in. Is that true? And I want to say it depends whose hands your life is in. That will make the difference. Do you look after your own life? God, I'm right. I'll keep it. I'll just, I'm fine. God, you just stay at the distance. And, or do you let God in to put his hand upon your life and say, I can, when you surrender to me, that's more than. That's the more than I can use. But when you keep it to yourself, it's, it's just going to be limited. It's going to be limited. Romans 8, 37 says this. Yet in all these things we are, come on, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. When we adopt the understanding of God is more than enough and that he, in what he really desires from us, we actually take on the very nature of God and we can become conquerors as well. We can become conquerors. Conquerors over every fear that you have. Conquerors over the struggles you face. Conquerors, conquerors over the problems that want to rip apart your life. And the things that want to... But it's a giving over, surrendering into our Father's hands, isn't it? Um, 
I've just discovered that we can't continue to live old lifestyles, not just discovered, I discovered it a while ago, but live old lifestyles and expect different things to happen in our life. That's absurd. That's insanity. Nothing changes um, and nothing will be gained. You will continue to live as we are, even as Christians. Um, in fear, living under the problems, God wants us to live above them, above them, and be conquerors with him. So this morning, I challenge you to let the God of the more than enough continue to allow the more than enough to rise within you. Attitudes and heartfelt responses to him so that you can be his vessel. Um, I want those who actually, because I'd love to just put this in the setting of just partaking of communion this morning. And I love those who are taking up communion just to come right now and, and the team to come back as well. Because Jesus is our more than enough. <laughs> Man, he is more than enough. There was a time when Jesus was sitting at the table reclining with the disciples in Matthew 26. And after they'd eaten, after supper, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave to his disciples saying, Could you take and eat? This is my body. He was talking about some bread. He broke it. And, he... and then he took this cup, just one cup, and he gave thanks. And he gave it to them, all the disciples, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Notice it says he's poured out for many. This is the, here is the paradox. Here's the absurd statement that that culture, just listen if you can listen and receive at the same time there. In that culture of Jesus' day, the culture up to that moment was that for the forgiveness of sins, you needed many animals over your lifetime to be sacrificed and the blood spilt so that you could be forgiven for your sin year after year after year after year. So when Jesus now says, it's my blood, for the forgiveness of sins for many people, that was absurd statement to that culture. It's not to us because we receive it because we've never had to live in the priestly Levitical law of sacrificing animals all the time to be forgiven for our sin. We haven't lived in that realm. We've only lived in the realm of grace where Jesus died once, once and for all, shed his blood once and for all to be forgiven of sin. But to that culture in that day, what Jesus said in verse 28 there, poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins? You mean your blood for many, once and for all? Never again do we have to sacrifice animals for the forgiveness of sins? Jesus would have said, that's right. I'm going to do it once, once and for all. And not just for the people that were there on that day, but it's talking about the reality of all throughout history. The billions of people have received Christ. Billions of people over since the time of Jesus walked on the earth. He says, once and for all, blood, my blood, no more bloodshed, just my body, my blood, broken and spilt for you. And so while it was a paradox, it was an absurd statement to them in those days. It isn't to us today. Because... He, was, he is the sacrificial lamb. He is the more than enough for all of us. 
You don't have to bring your lamb to church this morning and sacrifice and say, Father, I've sinned. Forgive me. We can say those words, but we don't have to bring the blood of a lamb to do it. We just know that Jesus' blood is enough, isn't it? It was more than enough. In actual fact, when I fail again, and there'll be some time when I say or do something that isn't perfect, I could still come to God and ask for forgiveness, even next week and the week after, and He will forgive. I'm not talking about purposely, continually doing stuff and just walking away from God, but I'm just talking about the reality of His mercy and grace. He extends to us. It says in this last verse in John 12, unless a grain of wheat or a seed falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Jesus was that seed, wasn't he? He died. And that's paradoxical. That, isn't, that seems weird. Something's got to die before it'll produce anything. But we know that principle because we all plant, well, maybe not so much now, but farmers plant seeds. And they're expecting a harvest of crop from it. But it seems weird for something to die, for, for life to come forth. But that's what Jesus done. He died so life could come forth. Life for you and I. So can we, if you've received this morning, could you stand with me? He's the more than. His blood was more than enough. The reality is that Jesus was just one man. Thankfully, he was more than man. He was also God, <laughs> which is pretty important for us because if he was just a man, we could call upon anyone would do. But he wasn't just a man. He was God as well. And so quite literally, God died for us. And his body was just that physical remembrance of a broken body for us. And his blood was the physical remembrance of his forgiveness of sins. And this morning, um, we've got to be thankful for that. That the blood of Christ and the body of Christ was broken and the blood of Christ was spilt. And it was more than enough. You don't have to do it again. You might say, well, why do we have communion a couple times a month in this church? Well, the reason we do is just remember that he's more than enough. Not because it doesn't, not because, well, the last communion was just do it one off. Well, no. No, let's continue to do it. Let's continue to remember that he's more than enough for us. He's more than enough strength. He's more than enough hope. He's more than enough joy. He's more than enough peace. He's more than enough everything. He's more than enough our shield, our buckler, our strength, our strong tower. He's the bread of life, the water of life. He's the hope and the, the lily of the valley. He's more than enough, folks. He's a Jehovah Jireh, our provider, our healer. He's more than all these things gathered together. He's more. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. He's the reason that I exist. He's the reason that you breathe. He's the everything that we need. That's the God that we serve and it all was bundled up in a man called Jesus and he gave himself up for all of it so that we could have it as well and have life and I'm thankful this morning because let's eat and let's drink this morning in remembrance of what he did he said my blood was shed for you my body was broken and we thank you this morning father for what you've done 
You're more than enough for us to live life. You're more than enough for us to love our families. You're more than enough for us to work in, this, in the environments we work in. You're more than enough to provide for us, Father. We thank you for Jesus. He was the yes and amen for us. Our hope and our glory. And we thank you this morning. For, his, for all that he did for us through the death on the cross and his resurrection. And we give you all the honor and all the praise. So let's eat and drink in remembrance this morning in Jesus' name. Come on, let's partake together. Come on. Liz, I just want you to pray. Just to be thankful, yeah. Just pray. Father, that doesn't it doesn't matter how many times we kneel at the foot of that cross and look up at the body of your son. And we see the sweat on his brow, and we see the blood that came down. It doesn't matter how many times we do it and we're still speechless, Lord doesn't matter how many times we pour out our burdens before you and bring our sins before you. You're always there. And we just say thank you. If we said thank you all our life, Lord, it would never sum up what you did. But we say it from our hearts today. And we just ask, Lord, as we kneel there, Lord, and remember what we were and what you've made us. We just ask that you would pour your new wine into new wineskins in us and transform our hearts, Lord. When we stand up again and look towards the heavens, let us not be the same. We need to be different. We need to see you more clearly, Lord. And yet it always starts right here at the cross. So humbly we bow, Lord. The place we are always brought back to, your grace and your mercy like an ocean that's before us, Lord, your grace that we could never swim across, it never ends. There's no depth, there's no height. And it breaks our hearts, Lord, when we can even receive your love, that we can understand that love and that grace. And yet you smile down from that cross and say, I did it for you. Thank you. So this morning, Lord, like every other morning, we just say thank you from our hearts, from our souls, from every cell in our body. We say thank you. We are nothing. Without this moment, we are nothing. Come on, let's just, just for a moment, just worship. Yes, Lord. He's singing. <laughs> 